Let's talk to interesting people. Let's talk about the process of seeing things differently. Let's talk about the craft of molding truth and fiction together to arrive at something new and exciting. And let's have fun while doing it. Welcome to the True Fiction Podcast. Hello and welcome to True Fiction, the podcast that talks to talented, creative people and finds out where all that inspiration comes from. I'm your host, Patrick Boggs. Across the desk from me is the phenomenally creative Norbert Yates. How's it going tonight, Norbert? It's going well. How about yourself? It's not going too bad at all. It's been a pretty darn good day, and I think we've got a really good guest tonight, so I think it's going to be a good interview. Tonight, our guest is the VP of KC Truth and the Executive Creative Director, a.k.a. Waxo a.k.a. Rob Burnham. Welcome to the show, Rob. How's it going tonight? Great. Thanks a lot. Good to see you guys. Hopefully it's warmer where you are than where it is than, than where I am. So, Well, unfortunately, it's not. But I, I well, maybe a little bit because you, you're in Minnesota, aren't you? Yeah. Twins. We usually get anybody beat when it comes to cold. So, Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, yeah. Uh, we've, we've had record cold today, though, or yesterday. So it was 25, but I... That's probably balmy 25 for Minnesota. We started at three today. Actually, we're up to 15 and it's snowing. So, oh, wow. You know, it was two, two days ago, it was 45 degrees. I, I was like, I can't believe it's Minnesota. It's December. And then all of a sudden, yesterday it hit and I walked around the lake. We live near a lake and I walk around it every day to, you know, clear my head. And uh, it was about 25 below wind. It's like, oh yeah, it's winter time. So wow, happened fast. So okay, so we're going to start out right away with it. How do you think climate affects creative people? Well, you know the thing, and I learned this growing up. Somebody, the observation somebody made uh, to me years ago about the difference between, and I don't want to make this north versus south, but the north is colder. People move fast, right? If you come up to Minneapolis, watch people walk, they walk fast, their head is down, forward, and they're just marching. It's survival, right? I need to get inside. It's 10 below zero. I, I need to move fast in order to survive. So maybe maybe there's some quick thinking there and everything's moving half fast. Down south, things can move a little slower because if you move too fast, it'll kill you, the heat, right? So there's a little different thing there. I don't know. There, there is a. It comes up quite a bit because Minneapolis is really known for a strong creative community. I mean, I, I work in advertising, and there are so many great advertising agencies here in town. And how did that happen? And then music. If you think about the great music that's come out of Minneapolis, the Replacements. You know, one of the greatest rock and roll bands ever. We we had Prince. I mean, we had Husker Du, Soul Asylum. I mean. There's so many great bands that have come out of this little tiny cold city. It's it's really pretty interesting. So I don't know what it is, but there there must be something to having to you know uh, move quick, get out of the cold, and and then frankly, there's there's when it gets dark out at you know four in the three thirty in the afternoon, and it's ten below zero. There's not much else to do. So maybe creativity plays a role in that too. We're not laying at the beach, I'll tell you that. So. Yeah. I have a I have a theory and and it's it goes like this is that a lot of uh advancement in civilization has come from 
st- uh, cities and places in cold areas. I, you know, you don't think outside of you know old Greece and and some of uh, Egypt. A lot of a lot of advancements, at least in the last thousand years, have come from colder areas. And I, I my thought is that people have to overcome environments, and it focuses them. Mm-hmm. And I, I wonder if there's a certain amount of that that happens because if you're living on the equator and everything is great, life is pretty good from day to day. It doesn't change. If the weather is similar, it doesn't concentrate the mind as well. And that's, that's an off the cuff thought I, about that. I I'll go with that, you know, uh, you know, bring it, bring that into the mix as well. I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm a big proponent. I love Minneapolis. I, lo- I love Minnesota. And I think about so many things, how things have really advanced here uh, on a lot of levels. I mean, you know, 3M is based out of here and, I mean, um, retail target is based out of here. Look what they've done to retail. It's kind of that, on that level. It's interesting to back to music, you know, the replacements Nirvana doesn't happen without the replacements. Right. Oh, absolutely. Um, even things like, I mean, look at Prince and even things like, look, George Floyd happened here and look, look how that was a, a global shift in, 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 and how, and how, you know, the, the police situation and, and, and equal rights, all that stuff. So it's pretty interesting that, that so much has happened right here, you know? Yeah, I don't absolutely. know what it is, along with great advertising, right? <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> great advertising being much less important than all that other stuff, but, you know. I want to say that I, I checked out uh, KC Truth, uh, and I know that KC is the name, so I'm, I'm, they're slipping my mind right now, but that is a great site, by the way. Uh, and here's the thing I loved about it is – you guys are a, an amazingly large and just just this really big um, graphic design, media design corporation, digital design corporation. Yet your site is so much fun. It's it's really got an oh, attitude, cool. you know. That's got a nice attitude, a lot of fun. I checked out the the uh, the Truth Bar site, which was great. Yeah, uh, I love that and. Yeah. Uh, that's got to be a trip working for somebody like that. I mean, does that attitude permeate through the company? It does. Yeah. I mean, you know, we're not a huge agency. I will tell you, we work with big clients. We work with big global clients, but we're about 25 people um, in, a, in a very competitive, uh, creative town. So we've got to compete with the likes of Fallon and Carmichael Lynch. These are just giant agencies. And, but we need great talent, too. So we have to um, do other things to, you know, make it fun to work at our place. So no BS is our mantra. Right. It's sort of our mission, right, to, to eliminate BS. The truth bar, when you talk about creativity, you know, for me, creativity never happened in a, in a cubicle. It never happened in a brainstorming session in a, in a, in a uh, or I always call them brain-numbing sessions, <laughs> in conference rooms with large groups of people. It doesn't, I mean, I'm not to say you can't come up with good ideas there, but really creativity needs a, a, a space. And, 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 and it, I always liked to get out and hang out in coffee shops or go to uh, bars and hang out where there's people, right? You know, when you're doing advertising, you're advertising to people. You want to see people. You want to be around them. So, uh, you know, and the other thing we noticed, the, the Truth Bar came about because we would have meetings with clients 
And it was always the meeting after the meeting that was better. So if we're in a conference room, everybody's got their sort of corporate mind on and they're thinking a certain way and we're looking at PowerPoint presentations, the meeting would end, we would go down to the kitchen, pour a glass of wine, a, a beer, a, you know, a pop, whatever people are drinking. And suddenly it became a lot more relaxed and clients started to be more human. And we thought, yeah, you know, wait, we, we should just uh, get straight to that part of the meeting earlier. And then we were kind of kidding around because we like to work so much in bars. It's like, well, we should have a conference room that's a bar. And that's when it happened. So the name um, KC Truth, so finding the truth is our process for how we, how we uh, create work for our clients. But the KC is Kruskoff and Company, and it was started 33 years ago by Sue Kruskoff, a female pioneer in advertising. And she's still there, and she's still very engaged in the agency and no BS is really her thing, right? She wants to have an agency that she's worked at other agencies in the past and they were just full of bullshit. So let's eliminate that. And the bar. So of course she just, you know, went head on into the bar and here we are. So we've got this great space that people can hang out in clients. We make them wine glasses with their names engraved nice. on the wine glasses. And we have a big wall where all the wine glasses are. And it's a private club. So when you walk by on the street, it's interesting because it says truth on it and it says members only. And you can see in it looks like a bar. It's, it's the coolest looking bar in downtown Minneapolis. It's a legit looking bar. And people try to get in, but they can't get in. There's one little steel door that if they find it, uh, we put a little sign on it that says storage. And if they knock on that, we usually give them a little uh, pony like a Miller High Life pony it's like a <laughs> consolation prize for actually trying and almost succeeding <laughs> to get into the bar but the members are our employees and then all of the clients so they come in anytime that they want and I mean I work down there you know well you know pre-COVID I would work down there every single day wow. so that to me that was that was really about fostering creativity and making people feel comfortable and creating a space that is no bullshit because we want clients. We want to challenge clients. We want them to challenge us. We want them to challenge each other. And that happens in a space that feels more creative. And, you know, certainly bars have a history of, of truth. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Hopefully you have a good bartender. That's very cool. (laughs) So when you, when you're bringing in a client, because that is an unusual way to approach things. Do you find, how long does it take to break a client? I mean, I've dealt with marketing people from, you know, uh, big corporations and what have you They're They don't, they're not wired into that initially. And my guess is, so how long does it take for you to work through uh, the sort of inhibitions and the sort of structure of the people you are working with on the other side, the client side? Yeah, you know, that was our initial worry because I think that ad agencies have a, a sort of a stigma, right? You know, we're you know creative, and we we're thinking about ourselves. We're not we're not business people. All of these sort of things that really had me worried about what signal that would send, sort of reinforcing a lot of the 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 the, the baggage that comes with an ad agency. But what was interesting is every client from the get go. What it did was it was so much like a real bar that it tapped into their um, real human side. Like, oh, wow, this is really cool. Now, it's not just about being in a bar. 
because they understand that that the purpose of being in a bar is to have truthful conversations and to get to a better place. And so it's not just a self-serving come in and drink and have fun and not get any work done. It's really about this is the most effective way to get work done. So I I was surprised that didn't hear didn't feel any resistance from clients. Um, you know, big big companies, the 3Ms of the world, the Ecolabs of the world. These are you know, and they they love it. And they in fact they um, they as being members as being clients of ours, they can use the bar whenever they would like. So they. We'll big in, they'll bring in big groups of people. We can fit like 65 people in there. They'll bring in big groups of people for offsite. So they'll take it for an entire day uh, because they like it that much. So wow. it, I, I get the point. Uh, it was certainly a concern of ours, but it really, uh, I think at first, if they hear about it, if they don't understand the purpose of it, I think they probably go, yeah, here goes another ad agency, you know, do doing ad agency things like having, having a bar, but uh, we get over that quickly. And then, you know, they, they see the benefit in it. Here's the, here's the second part of that for me. It's like, I think about clients and I think knowing a, a little bit about sort of the, the other side of the, the corporate uh, marketing has become in many big companies, a, a vehicle to run a business as opposed to create marketing in, in, you know, like I, I can think of three big corporation, billion, you know, billion plus that, that are sort of set up their marketing departments. You would think of, oh, they're thinking up ads or no. No, they're basically running the business side of of of, of their respective companies. Mm-hmm. So they, the marketing people tend to think in metrics of, of business. Mm-hmm. And I, I just wonder when you're working with them, how long it, cause I, I, I think one of the great things of, of what an ad agency can do is turn out a, a great creative work or a great thoughtful com- campaign that has a stick to of a mind of a branding or whatever. But my, my question is, have you, and I don't know if this is a recent thing, cause I just can tell you about, you know, the last five years of my experience with my wife, who's, a, you know, higher level corporate person, whether you deal with that a lot and you have to educate, you mean, you kind of replug the marketing people back into their creative mindset because they've been so metric business driven yeah. in a lot of these corporations. I, I don't know if this has been your experience or. Oh yes, absolutely. I mean, you know, they want results. Everybody wants results. And now we can, you can measure everything. Right. You know, they want they want to know that if they spend a dollar, they're going to get a dollar twenty five back. And that's just unfortunately, that's the reality of advertising. Um, I, what we've had to do. So we have there are really three pillars of our agency. There's there's strategy, which leads to creative. And then there's media. Right. So they all have to work together. So if we create an ad, who's going to see it? Where is it going to run all of that stuff? And that is highly measurable. And I have really liked having that uh, part of the agency because it makes clients feel comfortable, right? If you, if you put up creative ideas, if you're showing them creative ideas, they might be smiling and, 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 and excited about it, but they're nervous because they don't know. If you put up a chart and a graph and you're showing things going up and they've got a dashboard and they can check it every day, that makes them 
grounded. Like that's where they want to be. And I wish it wasn't that way, but that's the way it is. And, and so we have to combat that. We have to have both sides. And so what I see is when we show creative ideas, they can really, you know, you see their heart, you know, you see it, you see it in them. Like, God, I love that. You know, I, it's, that's a cool idea. Right. But that doesn't get them, you know, that doesn't fly in the corporate world, right? That's a cool idea. That's not good. How right. is it going to work? Right. Are enough people going to see it? how, you know, so we have to have that answer as well. Um, and we do, uh, which is great, you know, for such a small agency, it's, it's nice to be able to do that and then do it in a smart, smart way. So I think a lot of agencies, there's a, there's a disconnect between, the work that's done and then the media and where it goes, we are really working hard to bring those two together. So, but no, it's true. It's funny. Cause I was just, we were just talking to a new client and a lot of times it, it, it depends on the, how we feel about the client. Do we start with the charts and graphs and dashboards to make them really comfortable? Or do you go to the ideas, right? We were with this client who, they were, they were analytics. That's all that they, that's what they wanted. I want to see results. I want to know we can measure. I want to know exactly where every dollar is going. It's like, wow. So Alex is our media director and we put her up there in the charts and graphs. And that's exactly the world that they wanted to live in. And I thought, I'm not even sure we're going to show creative to these, to these people because they're so into that. Right. But we did. And we showed them some interesting, uh, cool ideas that we had done for, for another client. And that's when I saw them really light up. So there are two sides, right? We have to play to both. We can't just be wild and creative and this is going to be fun and the whole thing. We have to have the numbers side as well. So it's, you know, I always say it's like, you know, this business is, is an applied art, right? You know, this isn't fine art. Right? So we can't do anything we want, right? You know, it has to be, uh, it has to be very smart. So uh, I, I hope that answers uh, your, your 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 question there. But that oh, is, yeah, we live it every day. You know? It's it's persuasion, and it's you have to know where people are. Yeah, and it also applies to how I suppose how you think about creativity too. Is creativity persuasion, and or is it a a part of persuasion? And I don't know. Have you thought, given I, that any thought? Oh yeah, yeah. No, I think it's I think. I think what makes persuasion effective is when it is creative. Um, somebody asked me a while back what I thought a good ad was. And frankly, I think the state of, there's very few good ads out there. I'm like, if you, if you show me an ad that clearly communicates something, I, I'm going to tell you it's a good ad. It might not be, you know, like great creative or anything, but at least if I look at it, I understand what you're selling. I understand your reason for being, I think that's a good ad because most ads don't do that. After that, how do you make it compelling? How do you dial up that creativity? So when we're doing ads, it's like we have to communicate first and foremost. And that, like, let's just figure out how to convince somebody that they need a 3M privacy filter. Well, we have to show them what it is, right? That if they don't know what the thing is, then they're not going to know what they're going to buy. Then we have to make it interesting and we have to make it compelling. And that's where the creativity comes in. That, that's what gets us excited every day is that I, I think uh, we have a thing at, at work. We always talk about people love to say to creatives, think outside the box. And, and we fire back with, no, we want to think inside the box. And we want that box to be very small and confined because there's a million ideas. That's the beauty of creativity, right? If you 
you know, if you give the same assignment, very locked in assignment to, to 10 different people, you're going to get 10 very different ideas. So when we work internally in the agency, we've got four or five creatives on it. And I love getting together with, with them. And, you know, they've had a day or two to think about it. And I love hearing their take on it. You know, one person says, I'm going to, what about this? And it's like, wow, I never saw that coming. And somebody says, what about this? And, and then all of a sudden, you know, and maybe they're not quite right, but you take, you know, when you hear something, um, the other person says something, the, the answer might not be a combination of the two, but they said something, you saw something and then bam, the, the good idea happens. And that's where it's exciting in advertising anyways for, for, for creatives. So I think I answered it. Sorry, I'm going all around, but I think persuasion and creativity are absolutely linked. And I do think that the most persuasive stuff is the more creative. Yeah, I, an example, my, my favorite example would be the 3M privacy filters work that we've done where if you know what a private, I don't know if you know what a privacy filter is, but if you have it on your computer, people sitting on either side of you can't see your screen. So for us, it was this scenario of being on an airplane and trying to get some work done. And you know, the person on either side of you is staring at your screen. They're reading everything. And this actually came out of a real life thing. We were going down to a focus group in Atlanta uh, to talk about privacy filters. And, and, and the guy sitting next to me was in charge of food safety at Red Lobster. And he didn't have a privacy filter on his screen. And I could read everything. And you do not want to read about food safety <laughs> at Red Lobster. So, you know, so, so the, the, the video that we ended up doing is this, you know, it's this whack-a-mole thing where uh, the guy, the guys in the middle person's looking at him at their screen from the right and from the left. And as he turns his head to the right, they look away. As he turns his head to the left, that person looks away and he's trying to catch them. So it's this back and forth that happens. So it shows you the problem and it does it in a, in a humorous way because we've all been there. And, um, and it's funny, you know, but not at the expense of communicating what the product does, the problem that the product solves. So to me, that's a good, that's a good example of using creativity to persuade somebody, uh, that they need a privacy filter. That made me think about, I, I used to teach, uh, graphics and video and sound. And I remember, uh, if I would take a student, I would just say, make a video that would blow their minds. If I but if I said make make a video that's sixty seconds, I need you to feature this this and this. Well, that framework puts them in a box, but there's so much they can do with that. Whereas otherwise, they're just their heads are just flying off in, in all kinds of different ways. Yeah, what do you do that? And then what what determines what's good? You know, I mean, again, I go back to applied art and stuff. We have to we have to have some barriers for why is this good because. You know, we like to bring clients ideas that might scare them a little. And, but if it fits within this box that we've all agreed to, the strategy, right? If it, if it does all of that, then it, it makes it uh, more compelling and like, oh, wow, that could be interesting. You know, I mean, I think 3M initially was hesitant because, well, I don't know that we want to show people looking at other people's screens and all, you know, it's all really, very real concerns. But, um, it made sense. And so ultimately, you know, it, it, it won out and we got to do it. So, 
And so you had, and they have the, and you now have the data to back it up. So that's, uh, I think that's another thing that's very cool. They sold a lot of privacy filters, so that worked in our favor. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <is> great. <laughs> yeah. So the the other part of creativity, creatives in in your setting that fascinates me is the idea of working with other creative people because mm-hmm. when you're dealing with other creative people, there's a host of issues that can come about. Mm-hmm. Number one, you have, you know, if you're good, if especially if you're good, you're going to uh, push for your vision of something, whoever, you know, however the hierarchy flies out. Mm-hmm. And I was just wondering in terms of managing people's ideas and how you, you like I said, creatives can be very uh, passionate, let's just say, in a, and, and, uh, fighting for their ideas there and especially their creative work sometimes like I know for myself one of the things that I do I you know I do artwork and if you criticize my child it's it's almost like a child to me because it's a part of me uh and it's hard for me you know as I've gotten older I've got better uh, ability to separate that art as not my child, but there's a part of me that has a hard time letting go of that idea. And I was just wondering as somebody that's in a, in a responsibility of managing creative egos and, and personalities, if you would just talk about some of the ways that you, you know, you observe it, how you deal with it and how you keep people on the same uh, track and keep them effective yeah. as opposed to them shutting down. Right. Yeah, no, it is. It's a challenge because it's, it's not easy. I mean, I, I'll tell you, I've done this a long time and I, I still, I tell everybody, it's like every single new assignment I go, man, I don't know if I can do this. You know, you, it's that you, 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 creative people tend to be so insecure and, and they, you know, you, you, I think you, 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 I think at least my experiences, the good ones are because you have to be open to boy, the challenge of it. Um, and so everyone's different. So we, again, we, we work in teams and the, the traditional ad agency works with a writer and an art director. Uh, and you might have a couple different teams and oftentimes they're competing against each other. We, we do work writer, art director, but if we've got two or three teams on it, we're all going to work together on it. Um, and we're, because ultimately we have to be selfless and we have to, gun for the best idea and everybody is a part of that so this is the thing that i see in ad agencies oftentimes is the insecurity of creatives coming out and people feeling like they have to prove that it was their idea that was my idea that comes from insecurity because you have to sort of feel like i've earned it you know and i i never saw i don't i never saw that as being a good thing i i feel like um Anybody says it was my idea really doesn't understand it if they've been working with another person or a group of people. Because if you say something and then, you know, you know, and then, and then Patrick says something and then somebody else in the room says something. And then I say an idea, cause I've heard all these things. That's not my idea. That's our idea. So creativity is like these little sparks that happen. And you're looking for more than a spark. You're looking for like, you want it to really go. And that's a combination of things. So 
my pet peeve, and everybody in the agency knows it, so they don't ask me the question. Somebody says, who wrote that? Or who did that idea? And my answer is always, we all did. You know, somebody may have said the idea, but it's because we were all working together to, to, to land it. Whether we're in a group of four, whether in a group of two, or whatever it is. I don't care if somebody spent the day working on it and went home and then took a walk around the lake and then had this idea. It was That idea was made of, of everything else that was talked about. To me, that's that's true creativity. Now, it is getting people to a point where they feel comfortable opening up and listening to other people's ideas and saying, you know, um, maybe that idea will make my idea better, right? Like, so my, my longtime partner, Mike Cronin, who's director of strategy at the agency now, we always had a thing where we would sit there, you know, oftentimes just staring blankly at each other because you don't really have an idea. And then you get sort of, um, well, early on at least, it was sort of the courage to throw out a bad idea, right? Well, I don't know that, that this is anything. And you're really exposing yourself when you're throwing out an idea that you know isn't good, but maybe it will lead this person somewhere. And that's what's exciting. It's like, God, I don't know. There's I, Maybe there's something here, and you throw out this dog turd on the table. And then it's just silence because you can't expect – him or her to just answer back with this great idea right away, but they might pick it up later on, right? It might be like, God, there was that thing that you said yesterday and it sucked. I'm going to tell you it was terrible, but what if we did this to it? And then all of a sudden now it's this great idea. It's like, that to me is, is what's exciting. I play music as well. And music is like that where somebody has a thought or an idea or a riff or something. And then all of a sudden somebody else takes it and, and you just go right? It takes, it takes more, uh, you know, those, those types of creative, uh, things like advertising and making music takes, takes more than one person to, to do it. Yeah. I think that, I think you really nailed it. I think that, um, and for me, when I'm working and collaborating, collaboration is just the most awesome thing when it, when it sings, you know, when it, when you hit on something and uh, that to me is there's nothing like that. I really I I'd rather do that than just be by myself. To be honest, doing art or something. It depends on what it is. I mean, to me, advertising is 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 such a collaborative thing, and it is exciting to see when that happens. There's times when there's certain things I do, like if I do drawings, that's not that's just me, and I don't want to hear it from anybody. <laughs> and, you know, it's a it's a it's a it's a it's a selfish thing, right? This is going to be for me. <laughs> you know, where advertising is not. Advertising is for some company that wants to make a whole bunch of money, you know? So <laughs> I used to do work. And then what we would do is my, uh, my, my boss would say, Hey, we, we need to do something, um, creative. He would basically see how you, you're just, you're not, not killing yourself, but you're working your butt off on what the job is. And basically I worked in, you know, being a creative, but there were times that we would say, screw that. We're going to do something. We would usually, uh, bring in bands and um, and then I would do uh, the the work the posters and uh, do the setup for the bands and different things like that. So every now and then we would do this. We would just like say screw it, we're going to work, but we're going to do this creative. And if it who cares if it works or doesn't work because it's creative. You don't usually you don't usually get that uh, luxury. And I noticed that that's something you were doing as Waxo. Waxo. Mm -hmm. If I'm saying it wrong, please help me. Uh, I say, I, I say, yeah, it's Waxo, Waxo, whatever. It stands for uh, 
it's an acronym or whatever that is where it's uh, walking around checking stuff out that's and, where the name came from yeah yeah so if you anybody listening go to go waxo.com uh, yeah actually go to uh waxo was here so ah. w-a-c-s-o was w-a-s here h-e-r-e and then you can get that's on instagram too but the the website uh, if you go to if you go to waxo was here it's just it's thousands of drawings and then it'll lead you to the old site which is thousands more and it's a bit obsessive i think but <laughs> Well, you know, we, we've, we've interviewed Larry Hankins and, uh, one thing I don't think a lot of, Larry Hankins, an actor, I don't know if you're familiar with him, but, um, he's been in a lot of things. And one thing that we didn't know about him, he was a fine artist and he, you know, he's a mixed media. He would take a piece of newspaper and paint on it. Amazing, amazing stuff. Some of this, uh, some of your stuff has this feeling. It's got a very, um, urban feeling. I mean, that's what you're doing too. You're walking around. I, I love the parts of the, you know, you had like individuals, pictures of individual people and um, you had the buildings and, and this and the skyscapes. And and these are real places then. You want to talk a little bit about what Waxo is and does? Yeah. 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 It um, well, this it all kind of it, it comes out of advertising back in back in ad school. We had an instructor who basically we had to carry around these hardbound books, right, that you would keep our notes in. He said, I don't want random pieces of paper everywhere. I don't want softbound books. I want you to carry hardbound book with the ideas in there. And I remember it was a class or something where we had to document things, like document your life and all this, you know, diary stuff. And I was like, wow, that was kind of cool because I kind of tapped into that when I was a kid, documenting things. And so I started keeping these journals that were just, in, insane i've got a room full of these old hardbound books and then you know i was mostly writing and stuff and because that's really more what i was comfortable with and then we're little scribbles and then the scribbles got a little tighter and and then i don't know maybe 15 12 12 15 years ago they jumped out of these notebooks and just became drawing so but what it is 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 my journal basically it's uh it's documenting the things that i see and do and um, and walking around checking stuff out was was the right name for it. I needed a, a name because I, I for years I did the drawings and and didn't attach my name to them. So people they didn't know it was me. And there was a um, a couple you know we had two community newspapers here and they would run the drawings. So uh, they they saw a drawing or something I did to somebody and they said, well, would you submit drawings? I said, sure. So every week these two different papers these drawings ran for years and nobody knew it was me they just it was Waxo. and then i i did i, I have a, a artist rep as well and i think i did a, a job for um american express the little stickers that go on uh, retail stores and stuff and they and i did the drawing for minneapolis so it, it was like every it was like every every retail shop you went into there's this little Waxo drawing Wow. In the Star Tribune, the big paper here did a story about it and used my real name instead of Waxo. So I was outed at that point. Yeah. <laughs> and so it was like, all right, well, that's fine. But I, you know, I always, I try to keep it, honestly, I try to keep it separate from advertising because I felt like little drawings and stuff only reinforce the idea of all oh, creatives, they, they do drawings. And, you know, it was, it was less about, you know, to me, advertising is we make clients a lot of money. That's a that's a very strategic thing that I think being too creative a lot of times seems to kind of take away from that. Um, so that's why I had the, the other name. But 
uh, you know, people know it's me now. So, but yeah, no, it's, it's the journal, it's my journal drawings of just things that I see, uh, things that are interesting. Dogs are cool. Old people are cool. Restaurants are cool bars. So that that's, and I just keep doing it. And every day, and when you talk about creativity, it's, it's sort of the, the most fulfilling creative stuff is the stuff you don't have to answer to anybody. Right. So, Norbert, you were talking about, you know, you, these are like your babies. You don't want to hear somebody say something about the drawings. This is my chance to just do something that there's no client saying yes or no. <laughs> there's no group of people in a conference room saying, well, I like that one, but I don't really like that one. It's <laughs> like, no, 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 I don't want to hear any of that. I'm just going to, I'm just going to do. And the thing was, I'm just going to draw every single day, whether I want to or not. Um, that was also part of creativity, right? Is you, you can't wait around for the inspiration. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta do it. Right. I get up every day at five in the morning and a lot of days I don't want to draw, but I'm going to draw. And, and some of my favorite drawings are the ones where I fought through it, you know, for a half hour, 45 minutes, I was hating it. And then all of a sudden it clicked in and, and I got somewhere. So I think, that's another piece of creativity is you, you can't wait around for it. You just, it's work. You've got to work it. I you know, play with a guy in a band who he thinks that way about songwriting. It's like, you've got to write a song, even if you don't feel like it. If you, if you wait to, for the inspiration to write a song, you might do a couple songs a year. You know, uh, that's not enough. <laughs> you got to write a lot of songs to get to the really good ones. You know? Yeah. I, I, so on that idea, I had this, uh, another theory, because Pat will tell you, I got all kinds of theories about all kinds of things. But yeah. anyway, when you get to a certain creative uh, or artistic level, you can take and, for lack of a better word, force a solution. You have enough of a skill set of executing something that at the end it will be at, you know, as you get better, it gets up. Even your, your, your baseline gets better. And I was just wondering, I, I assume that even you guys, when you're working on a campaign and, you know, there are times where the perfect solution doesn't present itself in the time that you're working on it. Mm -hmm. And you have to force a solution that in order to get it out the door, in order to, you know, to run whatever schedule that you have to do. I'm just wondering how you approach that because, you know, if you get to a certain level, even if it's not, you know, that thing where you go, oh my gosh, this is, this, this clicked in a way and it's a beautiful, elegant solution. I'm just wondering if you could talk a little bit about how you deal with that situation where that perfect, elegant solution does not present itself. Well, that's the beauty of creativity too, is one of the best motivators of creativity is fear, fear of failure. There's two pieces of that. One is I want to acknowledge our account people at the agency because if they listen to this, they, they will. They'll be laughing right now at that because I'm notorious for pushing off our internal presentations. I'm like, we don't have it yet. We don't have it yet. I need an, we need another three hours. We need another day. We need, you know, and they just, they, they, they hate it. They, they're constantly like, you got to quit doing that. I'm like, I know, I know, but we're, we're going to get it. It's going to be there. I, I will say we don't, we don't show it. If it's not, not there, we'll move the client meeting if we have to. But my point is it always, we get there, we get there. And, and fear is a fantastic motivator. And we're good procrastinators too. So if we have two weeks to work on a project, damn well sure 
you're going to, you know, burn a bunch of that time messing around and, you know, you wish you had those three days back, you know, but I'll tell you, it is that it's waking up in the morning going, man, we don't have it yet. I know we don't have it yet. What are we going to do? And that, that is a huge fire, right? Like I kind of wish I had that with drawings because I don't, I don't only, I don't have to, I just, I just have to feel good about it. But I, I love that love hate relationship with that sort of fear motivator. Music is the same thing. I'm going to, I'm starting to bounce between the three creative things that I do, but music is another one. It's like, man, if we've got this song and I'm not quite feeling it yet. Um, I don't know if I'm sure I'm a drummer. I don't know if I've got the parts right. And but we've got a gig and we're going to play it tonight. Cause the guy I play with, he'll throw out half. We're halfway done with songs. I'm telling you right now, even if there's only 10 people in the audience, you will figure that song out in a hurry. <laughs> so I think I love fear is a great motivator for creativity. It really, it really lights it under you, you know? Wow. Yeah. That's, um, that's, that's scary, but very true. Um, absolutely. I'd probably have ulcers from it. I, it's the <laughs> one thing I always say it's, I wish it was so stressful. You know, I wish I didn't have to worry about it all the time, but at the same time, it's, I think it's so much of the secret, the juice that gets you there. You know, this sort of fear of not having it and fear of failure. Oh yeah. You know, it's, you know, like whatever it is you're doing, you know, it, it's a, it's a huge motivator. So I love it. And I hate it. (laughs) (laughs) When you're talking to clients and I don't know, I mean, different people, different agencies approach us different ways. I was just wondering, number one, are you working with them in your ideas in their infancy, or do you want to get them to a solid presentations place before you, you unveil it? And number two, do you find yourself having to, do you want to do this, uh, convince a, a client that when you're onto something, or do you go, this is just a client, this is my... Where, where we're at with this, does it work with you or does it not? Or do, cause I could, I could see depending on the personalities you're dealing with, mm-hmm. you know, let's say they're not quite as attuned to the, the uh, importance of a creative a gem and they could be like, uh, and I was just wondering how you approached it. Do you just, here you go and you wash your hands of it or are you trying to handhold them? Are you tr- trying to persuade them? Yeah. What's your approach? Uh, We only show ideas that we know are, they got to be done. They can't be half-baked because it's already hard enough to get them to see the idea because we can't execute it, right? So you're sort of trying to, particularly videos, you know, you're not going to shoot the video and then show it to them. You're going to have to do a storyboard. It might have some stick figures and you got to sort of, paint this picture so we've really got to have that sucker tight if we're if we're wandering around it then they won't get it so we go in with very tight ideas um we have to have a range of ideas it's never just one idea so uh in the case of you know any client we may have oftentimes it's campaigns so so it's not just one concept it's sort of like Here's a direction. So remember that small box I talked about. We come down to a, a core truth on our creative briefs. We have creative briefs that have this, all this background information, but it comes down to one sentence. The core truth that we need to communicate is this, and it's this one sentence. 
that is a small box, but you can do a lot of different things with it. So particularly with new clients where we're not quite sure what they're going to be into or what they're going to buy, we may have a campaign that uses humor and, and it's funny. We may have a campaign that is uh, more emotional. It might be a little bit of a heartfelt tearjerker, or we might have a can and we might also have a campaign that's almost uh, very dry and demonstration like, right? Like sort of prove it to me that your product does this thing. All three of those radically different ideas can come from that one sentence. So we, it just makes it that much harder because we've got to have not one idea. We've probably got to have three, four different ideas that they can look at. I always say it's a lot like we, we like to give our clients a range of ideas. So, uh, and that was an extreme range. So humor to heartfelt to product demonstration, that that's a big range. I always liken it to, um, and they will all be right. Like they're all going to nail the core truth. It's a little like a client deciding what they want to wear to work that day, right? Are you going to wear the, the sweatsuit? Are you going to wear the suit suit? Or are you going to business casual? You know, what are they comfortable with as, as work for that brand? I mean, I'm oversimplifying it, but I, but I like to make things as, as dumb as I can understand them. And I, I think that's a lot of it is they have to decide, well, yeah, I think, I think our brand is a little more buttoned up, right? Maybe the humor thing isn't, isn't right for it. Or, you know, I, I don't know. Some, some brands are like, yeah, let's have fun with it. Let's throw the tracksuit out and go out for dinner. It's that kind of thing. So, um, I, again, I've gone all over the place, but yes, we show very tight ideas because we can't, it can't be open for interpretation at that point. That that's, that's sort of the worst meeting is when clients are trying to change it or we the thing we call Frankensteining where they want to take something from this idea and combine it <laughs> with something from this idea. And, you know, I get it. It, you know, it sounds good, but generally speaking, when you do that, it doesn't work. <laughs> you know? So, you know, it's a little like what I imagine if you're doing a, a painting or a drawing or a piece of artwork and well, I'm going to do a little bit of this, a little bit of that, and, and suddenly end up with a, a lot of nothing. So that that's one of the big fears. Early, you've talked a couple times that you're a small agency and I, I think that uh, your site belies that. The one thing that I noticed too is that you you really show that your the people that work there are are your are are the a big part of it. I love that about about your site. Also, kudos on the um on the Super Bowl ads that you had. I think that's another oh, yeah. thing that um I think about. Only big places have that, but I don't know. You guys must be doing something right over there at KC Truth. Yeah, yeah, we're very fortunate. We've got clients that are um, believe in us and the stuff that we do. And to your other point, that's all we have is people. We don't, you know, we don't, it, we, there's nothing we have that's of any value. The chairs aren't worth anything. <laughs> the, the computers aren't worth anything two months after you buy them. There's no value. All we have is people, people's minds. And you have to keep those people happy and 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 motivated and and and, and working well and that, that's always uh that's never easy <laughs> you know no, absolutely so you got a you got tough clients and they're making people's lives hard and they're, and they're changing things and it's like oh how do you how do you uh how do you stay up on it you know so that it's a little bit of chemistry there right 
Yeah, you make a bar is what you do. That's what you do to make them happy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. After a tough day, grab a beer because you know we. It is a fully stocked bar, and everybody can have anything they want at any time. So yes, sometimes it's a little earlier in the day than you might imagine. <laughs> Good place to celebrate or commiserate, either one. You know. Yeah, it is. That's right. I think my final question. I got. I could have any number of, of, of questions, but I'm, I, I think my final one uh, would be if you're dealing with a, a young person that is uh, interested in some creative outlet, what are the things that you would say, if you want to be successful, you need to do what? Yeah. Work your ass off. I mean, I think it doesn't, I, it goes back to my thing about you, you have to force the creativity and, and, You've got to, so, and what I'm saying to that is like, you know, if you want to be creative, depends on where you want to go. But I think there's two things, work, 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 don't wait for the creativity and then find your style, find your thing. Like what makes you good? Like, that's what I look at with the people at work is, well, this person's strengths, everyone has strengths and weaknesses, right? I've got a lot of weaknesses. You, you, I want to play to people's strengths. It's not to say that you don't always want to be learning and improving on your weaknesses, but let's not waste a lot of time there. You know, if we've got a creative who is not great at writing headlines, don't expect that person to write great headlines, right? If you've got somebody or con- a big concept or some- somebody's great at concepts, but maybe not so great at layouts. So that's the kind of stuff I, I, I hope that it happens with creative people where the people that they're working with play up their strengths versus their weaknesses. But I think as a creative play on those strengths, play on those styles. And it is always, you're always second guessing yourself. You're always looking at what I'm not good at. I do it all the time. God, I suck at this or this or that. Right. But it is about personal style. I'm going to go back to music for a second. Charlie Watts died recently and I'm a drummer. He is in my mind, the absolute best drummer ever. He's not Neil Peart and Rush, flashy technical drummer, but he he had his style and he did that and he did and he stuck with it and he did it so well. And I, I think what made him a great drummer was he played what was appropriate for those songs. Neil Peart played what was appropriate for Rush, right? You know, so it's finding your thing. What is your thing? And then just going for it and not worrying about what you're not good at just be really, really good at what you are good at. Yeah. So let me follow up one quick, quick <laughs> thought on that. So you think it's better to work on your strengths as opposed to investing time trying to bring your weaknesses up? You, you got to do both. You always have to be improving because you don't ever want to stop learning and growing and all of that. But I think 75% knocking it out of the park with what you are good at and the 25% constantly trying to improve the things that you might not be great at. I figured it out in like fourth grade that I wasn't going to spend any more time on math because I sucked at it. That was not maybe the right time to, to, to turn my back on math, but you know, you know what I'm saying? It's like this idea of like, right. you know, I, I'm only going to, I am what I am, you know, and, 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 and what I see in people, and that was my Charlie Watts thing was that he didn't spend time doing fancy fills and 
doing all this crazy technical stuff. He just went, I am doing what I'm doing and I'm going to do it really well. And that to me is, 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 is fascinating. And that, that's where I think the really great people end up. But yeah, never turn your back on what you're, because you can always improve, right? And you can always get better. But I think it's fine that style. You know, anybody young, creative, whatever, it's like play into that thing. What is it? And be more of it, you know? I think that's great advice. Absolutely. And I I think that a lot of people worry too much about their... their deficiencies and then what they are strong in, you know, some, and they, they really beat themselves up over that. I think that was really good uh, advice. Yeah, I think too. I think people, um, I think that there's a lot of people that have really found a unique style based on their deficiencies. Right. So you sort of like, well, uh, you know, I'm not great at this, but if I, if I, if I don't worry about that and I just focus on this, I'm going to be really good at that. So, you know, I think, I don't know. You know, if you're if you're just sort of pretty good at everything, I, then I, then I, then what are you? You know, in 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 music, you'd be called a cover band <laughs> yeah. versus a band that you know, like <laughs> you know that that band. Like, look at the replacements, right? I'm going to go back to the replacements because I love the replacements, and I think yeah, they were not the best musicians, right? <laughs> you know, but it didn't matter. They they you know they 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 look what they did with what they had, so. Yeah, Please to Meet Me is still one of my favorite albums. So, uh, Oh, my God. Yeah, the best, the best. Yeah. So, if you're in Minneapolis, well, if you guys well, ever come to Minneapolis and you are a replacements fan, I'd be happy to give you a little tour of, of all the replacements highlights and, you know, the, the different bars and, oh, this happened there and here's where this guy lived. And, I'd love that. Know, we could yeah. even try to go to a, go to a bar where I know Paul Westerberg hangs out from time to time and wow. see if we can see him in the corner having a drink. <laughs> see, does he still play out any? No, he's such a, you know, they did that reunion and then uh, he, he, he doesn't, he just, you know, he's got a, he's got a house not far from me. Wow. Um, and he, I guess he just got a studio down in the basement, but he, he just doesn't, doesn't go out much. So. It was the last time I heard about Tommy Stinson. He was he was doing a stint with the with Guns and Roses. So, so yeah, that was very interesting. yeah, that was a good gig. Yeah. yeah, that was a good gig. Yeah, <laughs> yeah very cool. <laughs> We're about to wrap up. Um, one thing I want to ask. So uh, when I was when I was just getting into graphics and and video and stuff, I I I used to read everything and and everything I could find about Hillman Curtis. I thought he was just an amazing guy. I have no clue where he's at now. I haven't heard from him. He was just this really cool designer. Who who inspired you? Who is who is somebody that? And it doesn't have to be a designer, but I mean, even a musician uh, can mm-hmm. can inspire you to do uh, you know graphic design. Who inspired you? Uh, I'll take the three areas. So in in music, it really was well. I was in music when I was a little when I was a kid. It was Kiss. Because I, I loved the visual aspect of it. Everything that they did was bombastic and over the top. And as a kid, it was great. Absolutely. Uh, when I got a little older, it was the re- it really was the replacements. It was like, oh man, the light went off, and that inspired me beyond. Um, in in art, it, it uh, Ludwig Bemelmans. He did the uh, he did the um, Madeline books, the oh, kids yeah. books, Madeline, which I didn't have any interest in when I was a kid. But he also did uh, his books, at, sort of adult books, not adult books, but he, he did illustrated uh, sort of journal books that are insanely cool. These little s- scribble drawings. And when I saw that, 
that was the book that inspired me to go beyond just little journal stuff and, and try to make, you know, make drawings a bigger part of my life. And then in advertising, um, it was a guy called Joel Sullemeyer. Um, you would remember him from probably the, one of the most famous commercials of all time. Uh, where's the beef? Oh, wow. You remember that? Oh, sure. Uh, Joel <laughs> Sullemeyer, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So I have a reel of, that my father got me because uh, he knew Joel Sullemeyer and they worked together once. Oh, wow. And this guy did, I, 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 it's, a, it's two hours long of all the commercials that he made. And it is the funniest movie I've ever seen. It's not a movie, obviously, but it's just 30 second commercials for two hours. And it's amazing. So he wow. was a director, but he wrote the most of the commercials. So these ad agencies would come to him and say, Hey, we need a, we need an idea. And the stuff was always just funny, just funny sort of human quirky human people. And he did a series of, spots back it was all really in the 70s and 80s but he did a series of spots for alaska airlines that was hilarious and you see it and you're like oh my god half of that crap came true <laughs> there was, was a spot where a guy was going up and down the aisle he had to go, he had to go to the bathroom right and the bathroom had a coin thing on it you needed a quarter to use the bathroom and he's going up and down the aisles he's like i'll give you four quarters or i'll give you a dollar for four quarters and he's working his way down and pretty soon he's like, you know, I'll, I'll give you $2 for, you know, two quarters. I'll give you $8 <laughs> for one quarter. It was that kind of thing. Right. And it's nice. funny because it's like, well, airlines haven't gotten that ridiculous. They've gotten close. So he tapped into this sort of truth in everything. Like, where's the beef? That was funny. Right. Cause yeah. that's kind of how you felt when you went to these burger joints. <laughs> so to me in advertising, it was, it was subtle Meyer commercials because they were just, uh, so good, you know. Don't you wish they had 4K back then? Oh my God! Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, if you, I, I have to upload this thing at some point. I got to try. It was all a VHS tape. My dad gave me this VHS tape in probably like 1991, and uh, I had it, and then I, and then I gave it back to him. And you know, who's got a VCR anymore? But I, I was over at his house a couple months ago, and and I go, Do you still have that tape? And he pulls it out. He had it. So I took it to like one of these transfer joints and they put it on a thumb drive and it's like, I showed it was showing it at work. And uh, we do these kind of share out things where once a month, somebody shares out something that they're really passionate about or interested in. So I thought, well, you know, I'll, I'll hit play and people can watch, you know, maybe a half hour of these commercials and it's funny and we're having drinks. Two hours later, people were still watching these commercials. <laughs> like you just, they're that funny. So that's awesome. He, he inspired me a lot. Yeah, yeah. That's very cool. I really appreciate you coming on tonight. This has been a blast. It's so much inf good information. Um, cool. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Um, so once again, oh, yeah. Uh, so tell me where people can check out KC Truth. Yeah, it's kctruth.com. That's and easy. Then, uh, that's the website. Yeah, kctruth.com. And then uh, within there, you can get to the Truth Bar. So if you, if anybody's curious about the Truth Bar. <laughs> You can uh, you can fill out the questionnaire to see if uh, if you're if you're uh, a client. I don't know if you found the questionnaire. I did. I don't think I'm going to make the list. So and oh, but I oh, and okay. sometimes right. I can All be right. an asshole just to let you know. But uh. yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> For anybody that that doesn't fill it out, it's basically what your are your client, what's your budget, yeah. are you an asshole or not? <laughs> basically, if you've got a, you know a million dollars, it doesn't matter if you're an asshole. So um, <laughs> yeah, that's right. You know, 
sort of the reality of advertising, you know? Um, <laughs> That's awesome. So yeah, you can check out, check out our stuff there for sure. Also, I want, I want to, it's, uh, tell us the Waxo, Waxo again, because I really want yeah. people to check that out. It's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a Waxo, W-A-C-S-O, was here, uh, W-A-S-H-E-R-E. Spelling's not my thing either. So Waxo was here. And it's, um, it is walking around checking stuff out is that's what I do. So every drawing you see, there's some place that I've been or something that I've seen and, and I draw it and document it. Some of the, Norbert, you're going to like some of this. If you haven't looked already, some of the cityscapes have kind of a Jeff Darrow feel. So I think you'll dig that. Um, Oh, cool. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. All right. Hey, uh, Rob, this has been fantastic, man. I really appreciate it. And, uh, you know, you have a great night. Uh, thanks for coming on. Oh, thanks a lot. Really great to meet you guys. Thank you. And, uh, uh, you like as I said, well. if you're in Minneapolis, if, if you're ever in Minneapolis, <laughs> hit me up. I'll, I'll give you the, the good tour. So. And I, I'm going to have to put that all on my right. schedule. That's, that sounds we'll like a to. plan. Yeah. <laughs> all, right. all right. We'll see I'll you. Be here. You can come in the truth bar and, and then we can go from there. Awesome, so. <laughs> man. Now I really want to come up, you know, so have a little cocktail yeah. in the truth <laughs> bar. Even if it's a small, you know, little Miller, I don't care. That's fine. No, you know? no, no. You can, no you, 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 you get the real deal. All you right. Deal. So, sounds great. All right. Hey, have a good night, Thanks, Rob. Thanks, you guys. Thanks. You too. See ya. See ya. Bye bye. Thanks for hanging out with us on the True Fiction Podcast. If you like what you've heard, please visit us at Facebook. You can also leave us a review on iTunes or through your favorite podcast app. Until next time, stay true and stay creative. You're too late. Catch a ride somewhere.